So I went home and talked to my mother for the first time. It's weird because she ain't my mother. You know what I mean? She's my birth mother, but she didn't raise me. You know. And so that was cool. It was kind of a mystery for a while. Just mixed feelings, you know. Because how do you feel something for somebody you never met? How do you reconfigure your whole who you are in in just a couple of days? Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. Comedian, television and film actor, and all-around entertainer, Tommy Davidson has seen it all. He launched his comedy career in the Washington, D.C. area, capitalizing on his innate ability to entertain people and make them bust out in laughter. But his earliest days were grounded in trauma that, as an adoptee, he didn't face until he was an adult and was at risk of losing everything. Tommy graciously took time to chat with me about his life and his career, as documented in his book, Living in Color, What's Funny About Me? From being found as an infant, clinging to life, to his show business success on one of my favorite sketch comedy television shows, Living Color. Tommy has put in the work to face the trauma of his adoption, overcome addiction, and rebuild his life. This is Tommy's journey. Before arriving in Washington, D.C. with his family, part of Tommy's childhood was spent in the Midwest in Wyoming and Colorado. In his book, Living in Color, What's Funny About Me, Tommy talks about his perception of himself in his family as a young boy. Just like one of the horses on the farm in Wyoming might give birth to a foal of a different color than itself, a black mare could birth a brown foal, for example, Tommy thought he was just the brown version of the people in his family. When he was younger, it hadn't clicked yet that he was a different race from them. He shares a little bit of his life as a kid out west. I had a great family. I, I, I could only look at him as anything different than me, only using the future as a reference, you know? Like, just very hip, very politically, you know, diverse, you know, really. But with Midwesterners, you know? No different as far as white people go, as far as Midwest goes, you know? I never felt the anti-racism from my family. You know, I have more in common with my family than someone who's not in my family, you know? Yeah. Like every family. I have in common my grandfather and grandmother and my cousins and, and and our value system, you know, which is kind of freaky in a way because I have this brown exterior, you know what I mean? So here I am, a part of this family, a real part of that family. I guess just thinking about it right now is kind of weird in a way, but it's the truth, you know? How do you mean it's weird? Well, I mean, when you look at me, you couldn't tell that, right? You couldn't tell them. Basically, a big part of me is is white family from Wyoming. What do you remember about being in Wyoming? What was it like growing up there? Uh, Wyoming, Colorado? I was fun. You know, the, the fun never stopped. You know, we're going from farmhouse and riding horses and, you know, rivers. And, you know, it's the, it's the Midwest, you know. 
it's as beautiful as experience that the Native Americans had before white people got there. Put it that way. <laughs> just it's just you know you're out there in vast the vast lands of of of, of North America. You know. What brought you guys to the D.C. area? My mother and her husband went their separate ways, so she got a job in Washington, D.C. So we moved there, and the, the Tommy Davidson that you know now was forced out of that experience, you know? Yeah, you, you talk in the book about growing up on the streets and sort of starting off on the straight and narrow, but eventually kind of going off the rails. Tell me a little bit about your early life there. As a kid, I was a great kid. You know, I moved to to, to Silver Spring, Maryland. After settling, I was settling in Silver Spring, Maryland because to be with a white family in D.C. was too much. And to be black in the suburbs was too much. So we settled somewhere where it wasn't so harsh of an environment for me as a kid. And that neighborhood was a uh, partially integrated neighborhood to become a full integrated neighborhood with all types of different people, the Hispanics, Blacks, and everything. I think I grew up in one of the prototypical neighborhoods of the 70s that led to the the, the America we see now, you know? So, you know, that fusion, but, you know, later years, I became, you know, a younger teenager, in my, you know, 13, 14. You know, I wanted to be out there with the tough kids, so, you know, we started venturing into Washington, D.C., and started doing the things that, you know, I thought black kids did, you know, getting into crime and learning how to fight or you know, all that craziness. It's a legitimate part of, of becoming a man in a way, but it has nothing to do with being a man. Pretty typical for teenagers is the search to find themselves. It's a search for our identity in our peer group, in our family, and in the world. For adoptees, the identity search can also lead to thoughts about the parents we came from and where our biological families might be out there in the world. I asked Tommy to share some of his curiosity about his biological relatives when he was a young man. It wasn't a permeating thought. It was more like a, a you know, it was more like something that was always there as a mystery question. Like, where's my family? You know, I think it's an innate question that anyone would ask. Where's my family? Whether you're black, white, or whatever, where's my family? You know? And and I don't think that, for me, I don't think that it existed on the conscious level so much. You know, it was a subconscious desire that was naturally there. Did you ask your mom about it? I did often. And she would try to share stories and stuff about my mother that, that she recollected and stuff like that to, to help me deal with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you you have a a unique story in that your adopted mother Barbara knew your biological mother Tommy before your adoption. Tell me a little bit about how they knew each other first. They worked together during the civil rights movement in the 60s in some voting drives. You know, and my mother who gave me birth was instrumental in some of that stuff she also they immunized children and stuff because it was a very poor county in mississippi so they had befriended each other early and my mother had left and come back and she was gone but they said she had she had a child that she had left somewhere 
So when my mom went to look for me at the house she was told to go to, it was a an abandoned house where kids were using drugs and stuff. So on her way out, she saw a pile of trash with the tire, like on top of it. And she, something told her, look under the tire. And that's when she saw my foot under the tire. So that was the connection that she and, and, and my mom had. What do you remember about your mother telling you that story? About how old were you? And what do you, how do you remember that story hitting you I when you heard it? I remember that story as far back as probably when I was around probably six or seven. Wow. Because I asked. You know, I asked because it was just so much, race was so in the air. Everything was black and white. And I was black and they were white, you know? So the question came up. For me, more often than white people or black people, because I was the one with the mismatched family, you know what I mean? Right. It's visible. Yeah. There's a marker every day. Every day. Tommy, a black kid with a white mom and white siblings, was trying to find his identity on the streets of Washington, D.C. and Maryland. He's already said the man you know today was forged out of that experience. Tommy shared a bit about breaking into the comedy career that he's so well known for today. It wasn't easy, but it wasn't hard. As soon as I was asked to go on stage at a strip club by my friend, who told me to just say something on the mic, it was easy. Because the first thing I said, people laughed. So what I needed to be a comedian was already there. So I learned how to be a comedian from that point on. But I was already funny. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, right. So that wound its way through D.C., through contests and, you know, cabarets and doing little military bases. Next thing you know, I'm performing at the Apollo. I, I won that. And then a guy told me, let's go out to L.A. and check it out, the L.A. scene. I killed that. So next was just packing up my bags and moving. And it took three years of, of grinding, boy, and finally landed in Living Color. And Living Color was, was, the, was the crown jewel that took me over the top, but there was a lot of things that led to it, you know? Yeah. I seen a hall show, uh, Eddie Murphy, Murphy's pilot for, for coming to America, Robert Townsend's partner in crime. Boy, a lot of people helped me along the way. Luther Van Joss, Patty LaBelle, Kenny G, Sinbad, Stoney Jackson, George Duke, Gerald Albright, the saxophone player, Kid and Play, uh, Martin. I can go on, boy. I know. Yo, when I was reading the book, I was just, you were walking me through my childhood, both from the perspective of having been a fan of Living Color, but also from some of the folks that you dropped in the music business. You know, my dad was really into music. And, I mean, he could name any artist from anywhere. And when you started to name some of those folks, I mean, you really just touched on a whole bunch of parts of my life. I, it was fun researching your story. I've never had more, more fun researching it. Oh, thank you, man. Yo, I mean, between connections back here to Silver Spring and then just being a fan of your comedy for years... And then, you know, of course, I had to go back to YouTube and watch all the sketches and see all the stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was real fun. At this point, I usually ask my guest what made them decide to search for a biological relative. Most often, it's the birth of a child, curiosity about medical needs, or a passion to know their true story, which they finally decided to act upon. But for Tommy, it was none of those things. 
I never decided to search that. That, was, that decision wasn't made by my mother, but she put me in a position to be exposed to it, you know? And I, I don't know if I was happy about that. Because I don't know if I was ready for that. But I went and did it anyway. And it paid it paid it paid off. Tell tell me about it though. Where were you in your career? Where how old were you and, and what was going on? Set me in the scene. I was like I was like probably thirty something, thirty two maybe, thirty three. I was on the set of a movie and my mom called me and said, I met your real mom and do you want to meet her? You know, I was like, Well, I don't know. I'm going to be on the set, so I'll call you after. So uh, Jada was looking at me, Jada Pinkett Smith was looking at me while we were getting ready for the scene. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, nothing. She said, something is wrong with you. I said, no, 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 I'm fine. She said, no, something's wrong with you. So I told her what happened. And she yelled out, cut, that's a wrap for the day. She said, go deal with that. You got to deal with that, you know? So I went home, talked to my mother. For the first time, it's weird because she ain't my mother. You know what I mean? She's my birth mother, but she didn't raise me. You know, and so that was cool. It was kind of a mystery for a while, and mixed feelings. You know, because how do you feel something for somebody you never met? How do you reconfigure your whole who you are in in just a couple of days? Eventually, I met her and the whole family. Mm-hmm. It's kind of neat seeing them and everything, but. Um, tell me, tell really me, people. tell me, for, so let's go back for a quick second. You said you've set the stage in, in the fact that you weren't actually seeking this reunion. It just came to you and you weren't <laughs> necessarily happy about it. And, and as you've kind of alluded to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it does sound like you had to reach this point of reexamining yourself. The adopted self, the Tommy, the present day self. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Tell me a little bit about what went through your mind as as you're thinking, like, damn, I'm I can connect to this woman now, and do I want to? You know, a lot will come up. You know, I don't want my mother to feel alienated by this person. I don't really know this person, but I'm willing to get to know them. You know, but if you don't, you ever come to love someone, you can't love them on that level. You know, mm-hmm. even though she gave me birth, it's the one awkward man. That, that comes out of being adopted if you run into your parents or you run into your real family. It's the one awkward for me. It's like, this is good and all, but I'm ready to go because I, I don't want to be trying to feel feelings for this group of people that I don't know, although they have something to do with me being in this world. It's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? But we need closure. You know, the the way that you behave and the stuff in your life that, 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 you know, the way that you think or negative ways that you're reacting in situations while you're growing up, feelings of resentment and anger that you can't name, but you did it through behaviors, you know, or feeling ashamed or abandoned manifest itself in behaviors that you can never label unless you knew you felt that way in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so much involved that that's what makes closure good. Because you get to deal with a lot of stuff that was swimming around in your subconscious. It's natural to ask, why does she leave me there? Does she not love me? Why am I with this other family? Or, you know, screw her, I got my own family. 
those aren't the kind of questions that, you know, someone needs to be asking themselves from the time they're like, can think. So closure in that sense is really good. And it was good for me. You know, there's always that spiritual aspect, an aspect of life that I never paid much attention to because my mother was an atheist that raised me. So when I came in touch with, with, with spiritual principles, which I wouldn't have with her, I started to understand more about everything. So it was in me being able to forgive my mother for what she did that gave me my freedom and hers. You see, forgiveness is a is a spiritual principle. It's not a human principle. You chop somebody's head off, they're not going to chop your head off. The concept that you're going to forgive somebody for doing something bad is a concept that comes from somewhere else. Tommy did eventually meet his birth mother and members of his biological family. He admitted that he already had a family that loved him and a busy career he had built for himself, so Tommy only wanted to meet his biological relatives when he felt ready. Well, I made a conscious effort to meet him, you know, but I, I just, you know, as an adult, I already had three children. I got a young baby, you know, my job. I got a family that loves me. The last thing you need is something that's going to tweak your mellow. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's a white term, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm both, by the way. We all are. We just ain't going to admit that shit. Yeah. But. Knowing that was good for me, and it was good for everybody, you know, it was time. So we arranged a meeting during Christmas at the airport because I didn't have much time on my schedule. I had my son with me and, and my ex at the time, you know, and we met this whole family, and it was great. I mean, everybody was emotional, and, and, and for that side of the family that remembers you, it's valuable, you know what I mean? The dynamics between the parent and the mom or the parents and the child, but then there's the connection between the child and the rest of the family that never got to see the child, you see? So it was like a whole healing for the both sides, you know? And then to find out, you know, reasons why that happened, I was able to forgive her. What did she tell you? She told me that she was really bad on drugs, you know? And that she, she, um, got scared. She said she was in a relationship with an older man. One funeral home, he was 50. She was like 20-something. She already had his own family. The only reason why I say that is not to tell her business. I say that to say that life will give you circumstances that are beyond your control. And it doesn't make you a bad person. The reactions that you have to it. Every wrong can seem to be a right. If you look at if you look at the fact that you're not perfect and you're reacting to your environment and mine is just one example of many stories. I'm just happy that the through line of my story can help others. You know, it can encourage adoption. It can encourage black people to embrace white people better and for white people to embrace black people better in his book. Tommy speaks openly about his substance abuse and addiction and his multiple visits to rehab. He says multiple people have asked him why rehab didn't work all of those times and what was different about the final rehab experience. To paraphrase his response, Tommy basically said all of those rehab visits did work and that he needed each of them and what they taught him along the way 
to get to this point in his life now. Earlier, Tommy mentioned closure. During one of his journeys through rehab and rebuilding himself, he invited his birth mother, Tommy, to join his work so he could face the trauma of his adoption. His birth mother was placed into hypnotherapy. While she was under, she cried, convulsed, and reacted viscerally to the pieces of her past that she had buried in the depths of her mind. When she came out of that, she told me what happened. She had glossed over it, not really dealt with it. When she came out of that, she told me straight up what happened. What did she it's say? like watching her relive the whole thing again. Mm-hmm. I felt for her. Everybody in that room felt for her. How hurt she was and how scared she was. You know, how lonely she was and how abused she was. You know? She'd been abused for so many years by different relatives. I mean, you know, what, what women had to go through, what black women had to go through in the South, you know? That's how it all came out. Yeah. And you said basically that she talked about you as an infant as if you were a problem. You had sores and you were crying as if that was your issue. And you kind of, you said basically like I, she didn't really take responsibility for herself. And you kind of lit into her for that. Yeah. And um, it's not the truth. It's her truth. And the reason why it's in those pages is not to judge her. But to see how damaging being abused, what it can do to you, it can make you justify it wrong. So if you ever seen a lady drive her kids into some icy water or something, off some bridge or something, or you see somebody break into a liquor store and shoot the guy all up, you know what I mean? You know, no one ever goes behind that stuff. Says, well, why do you think he did that? You know what I mean? And it ain't society's job to say, why do you think you did that? It's society's job to protect you from things like that. But then at a point, to stop the domino effect. By his own account, Tommy is in a good place these days. But as you've heard, he's lived a full life so far, starting at the bottom, rising to the top with many valleys and peaks along the way. I wondered, what would Tommy Davidson today say to a younger version of himself along his journey. Hang on, you'll be all right. I know this is hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I I know that that Tommy has to go through the journey to get to the other Tommy, you know? I love that. And when the witch showed up on Dorothy, she didn't say, hey, don't trip out, I'm going to get killed. And you're not going to be able to keep those shoes, but you're going to get to back to Kansas. The movie would have been over. So let me ask you this. There's a lot of adoptees out there who also want to write their own books. And they struggle, and it's hard to decide to open up and share your story with the world. What do you What do you recommend to other adoptees out there who might want to write their First own? First, start out by reading my book. <laughs> and what's the title of your book, Tommy Davidson? Living in Color, Tommy Davidson, Living in Color. What's funny about me? I believe that reading my book will at least give them an idea of what they might want to do. Mm-hmm. Me reading books gave me the idea of what I wanted to do. But what about the part where you have to open up your own mind and your own heart and write it down on the page? Did you did you have concerns about sort of finally opening up? What do you recommend to other adoptees about opening themselves up? Just go a day at a time. Go a day at a time. You know, one, read the book. Read the book. Because you're going to want an example of what you want to do, you know? 
that book that I did is a book about building. It's a book about building your life the way you want to build it. Building your life the way you want it. I guarantee you, you build the life the way that you want it, you know, God will come in and shape it the way you really need it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Let me ask you this. You have, you've been through a lot, brother, and your life sounds like it's on balance doing better. And it sounds like you're in a strong place. What excites you about the future? That is limitless. You know how at the end of Star Wars, you know, that feeling you get, you know, or the end of Indiana Jones, you know, you know, you hear that music, you hear that? Right. That's how I feel. It's exhilarating. And the future is positive. Because the future isn't any further than the last words I said to you. And it's 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 going to be all right, and it's going to be positive. Yep. Final final question for you. For other adoptees out there who are sort of struggling with their journey, their identity, they're trying to reconcile with their biological parents, what, what words of wisdom do you impart onto them? Be happy for the person that you are because of it, and then go forward with that. Then go forward with that. Because the people that you're with love you. You are their family. If they didn't want that, you wouldn't be there. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to join me. This has been fascinating. I really enjoyed your book. I really enjoyed researching you before joining you here on the phone. There's nothing better than researching a comedian before interviewing him. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm so thankful that you survived, nice. you know, so many of the things that you've been here to bring us the joy and the man that you are today. It's really been fascinating and incredible. So thank you so much, Tommy. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Take care. All the best to you. All right. You too, brother. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. Tommy's life could not have started any rougher than it did. He was an infant left in a heap of garbage found by his mother, Barbara, raised in the Midwest and then the D.C. area. Tommy grinded his way to stardom, battled his way through addiction, and faced his adoption trauma, confronting his birth mother, Tommy, and his origin story. In his book, Living in Color, What's Funny About Me, you'll read some fascinating details about his entertainment career and about meeting his biological older brother, a guy who remembered the baby their mother left behind. You can find Tommy Davidson's book on his website, thetommydavidson.com. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Tommy's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash waireally or follow on Twitter at waireally. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash waireally. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. 
Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.